he really got me. You know, I think it's because he was gay. Got the nuances more. get me a gay mickey gotta get a gay hello and welcome to another episode of in the details a celebration of nuance where each episode i queen out on all of the acting choices micro moments and magic in the minutiae that make a scene great my name is colin drucker your name is barbara bell gettys and today we are finally finally and that i was going to talk about it last week and then i just got on a long tangent about a movie called lunch meat but we are finally going to talk about the Stepford Wives, the 1975 Stepford Wives, just to be abundantly clear that this is not going to be about the, I don't even care what year it came out, the, the 2000s version with Nicole Kidman, the Nicole Kidman Stepford Wives. I've seen it. I don't know. I've seen it, you know? Uh, it was like, okay, at some point, Glenn Close was like, you know what? I don't really care if I win an Oscar ever. It's fine. And Bette Midler is in it as Bobby, which is the character we're going to be talking about today, of course, played in the original Stepford Wives by Paula Prentice. Uh, so, yeah, that's right, Marco. Paula Prentice, you love her. Uh, I don't know if you could hear that. but um, So it's actually good that I had not yet recorded my episode on the Stepford Wives until right this moment, because uh, in the interim, I rewatched the 1970s remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. We we did that as a, a Patreon episode on All Right, Mary this past week. And I hadn't seen it since, like, I don't know, college or, like, I don't know, at, at least 10 years ago, bare minimum. And I had kind of just decided in my mind that it was a movie that I I liked but didn't love and didn't need to see again. But I think I was just seeing it with different eyes or had a different expectation so rewatching it, oh my god, oh my god! Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the nineteen seventy eight, I believe, nineteen seventy eight Invasion of the Body Snatchers, with Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Jeff Goldblum, and Best Supporting Actress Veronica Cartwright. If you haven't seen it, I mean, the thing, the thing I love about this movie the most is the ending. Like, but then if you haven't seen it, I'm kind of spoiling things, and uh, I think the movie still works, even though you, even if you know the ending, but. I don't know. It's from 1978. If you're listening to this episode, if you're interested in hearing about the Stepford Wives, you probably already know what happens at the end of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So let's just go for it. Um, you know, why edgy on this one, right? So at the end of the movie, uh, we're sort of following in an epilogue of all of the action that preceded Donald Sutherland's character, Matthew, as he goes about his day in what we think is him... Uh, assimilating with the pod people because as Veronica Cartwright's character reveals to them earlier in the movie, uh, you can fool them by just showing no emotions and, and just kind of falling in line. And so we kind of think that's what he's doing here. And then at one point, you know, he's walking outside. I think it's outside of some government building in San Francisco where it's all set. That's like 1970s San Francisco. I'll say it again. I'll never stop saying it. I just don't like San Francisco. I, I'm drawing a hard and fast line in the sand. And I I don't know why I need to keep repeating that. Like, nobody asked. Nobody asked. But there we are. Um, and he hears Nancy, 
call his name. And the last we saw of Nancy was disappearing into the crowd and assimilating on her own. And so we kind of didn't really know whatever happened to her. And so then he turns around and she kind of starts to smile and, you know, kind of reveal, hey, it's me. It's like the real me thinking he's the real him. And as she starts to approach him, he his eyes bulge and he starts to point at her and his mouth, oh, his mouth, it's just this like almost rigor mortisy mouth. Oh, this, this silent scream, except it's not silent because he just starts screaming at her and Nancy just starts screaming and she's got her, her hands on her head and she's shaking her head and screaming, no, no. And he's just pointing and screaming and then the movie ends. And I love that because I've always loved that ending because it's, it's actually the, the the ending is actually about Nancy. The ending is actually about Veronica Cartwright's character, not as much about Donald Sutherland's character. And I I don't know. I've just always appreciated the the best supporting actress, you know, uh, ness of that ending. And so uh, it's a great movie, though. I mean, really, uh, the the acting around the around the board. All around the board, the acting across the board is great. Jeff Goldblum's great. Leonard Nimoy is great. Uh, the music, oh, the music's great. Oh, okay. You know, we I didn't talk about this in the Matreon episode of R.A. Mary that we did for this movie, but uh, I meant to, and so I'll talk about it here. There is a usage of Amazing Grace, the bagpipes version that we all know, the only version. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play a little of it here. Before I play it, context. In any situation, I will get chills and tear up hearing this. Like, And not because I am this very sensitive, emotional person. I think that there is some kind of allergic reaction kind of thing happening. I think that someone needs to study this to understand why it has such a direct effect where it's like, I don't even have to be thinking about anything sad. I don't have to be at a funeral. I can be listening to this in a CVS, getting a key made in one of those kiosks outside the CVS where you can just put the key in and get a duplicate made. I don't know if you guys have those where you live, but um, just putting locksmiths out of business left, right, and center in this town. So anyway, there is this great usage of Amazing Grace that we'll just play a little of here. My favorite part where like the beat drops in Amazing Grace. It's a phenomenal movie moment. So anyway, I am glad that I saw that, you know, before talking about the Stepford Wives, because they really do feel like companion pieces. I, and they obviously they came out around the same time. I think 
you know, there's a similar feeling of paranoia. There's a similar feeling of, I know there's something different about this person, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Obviously in the Stepford Wives, the transformation is a bit more obvious and, and, and specific, but that feeling that Joanna Eberhardt, Catherine Ross's character feels throughout the whole movie of like, I know there's something happening and, uh, I know that it's closing in on me and I can't identify it. You know, it's like, it, you know, feeling around in the dark for what this, this invisible assailant is, you know? Now, of course, if you don't know what the Stepford Wives is about, let me catch you up real quick. So the Stepford Wives is based on a book by Ira Levin, who also wrote the book for the Rosemary's Baby, which, you know, the two, these two books, oh my God. Ah, such good reads. So scary. And scary in that, like it, most of what happens in, and you can and you see it in the movies too. Like most of what happens is happening in the daytime, is happening in really mundane settings and with really mundane things happening. But there's just this this tension that's just building. And you're like, why am I just like, in, why is my stomach in such knots? They're just at a dinner party, you know. And the Stepford Wives is really it, it's so economically written. Like there's so many just like tight details. Uh, even more so than Rosemary's Baby. And it just, like, it's just, it's, oh, God, it's so good. And so anyways, the movie, the 1970s version, uh, is really, I would say, in comparison to the book, I would say is fairly faithful. Um, you know, everything that happens in the book, you know, how it all ends is the same way that it really ends in the book. Uh, the only difference is in the movie, there's some discussion of the the first black family in Stepford moving in. Whereas in the book, we do meet these characters. I think her name is Ruth Ann, is, is the wife. And we, I think we meet her early, like halfway through the book. And then the last chapter is from her perspective and that sense that she's kind of next in line. What I really wanted to talk about today, there's two parts of The Stepford Wives I really want to talk about today. There is, there's a scene where Joanna first meets Bobby Marco, played by Paul Apprentice. Uh, and it, it's just the, the way they interact, it, part of it feels like improv. I think a lot of it is just like the energy of Paul Apprentice. It's just this great scene of, of this immediate bonding between these two women who've, you know, found human beings in this pod people town. And there's this great sense of relief about it. So I want to queen out on that. And I, and specifically Paul Apprentice, it's just, uh, it's just a bevy of acting choices that I could watch all day. But then there's this scene later in the movie that's really a great set piece for Catherine Ross where she finally goes to see this therapist. And it's, it's, a, it's, just, it's a great monologue, but there's so many little great moments and great you know, little acting choices. And the therapist is great as well. So everyone's great. Great, great, great. So we're going to talk about those two things today. So Bobby enters about 25 minutes into the movie, just marching through the tall grass to find Joanna laying out under an umbrella, uh, doing some, you know, some photography. And the, I, I, I think from the very beginning, the things that I, I love about Paul Prentice's whole performance and what I love about these moments is it just the, the weird vocal inflections, the, the way that she plays with the lines just the body language of her of her marching through that grass with those high knees 
and and the way that she just kind of shows up to Joanna's blanket and Joanna's life and doesn't waste time to figure out if there's a connection, just decides this needs to be a connection. Hey, boy, am I glad to see you. Hi, I'm Bobby. Bobby Marco. That's upward mobility for Marco Witz. I'm also an ex-Gothamite who's been living here in Ajax country for just over a month now, and I'm going crazy. You see, doctor, my problem is that given complete freedom of choice, I don't want to squeeze the goddamn Charmin. Bobby kind of goes right into this bit. I, I love that she barely gives Joanna a chance to respond. And she's like, great, this is everything that I needed. I, I'm confident that this is a connection. And she goes into this whole bit about, well, doctor, if given the choice, I don't want to squeeze the goddamn Charmin. And I, I love that as, a, as an old reference. I, um, I appreciate that. Uh, which I, I guess, it, I don't know if that still is a reference, but that was something about Char Charmin toilet paper that... If you wanted to squeeze the Charmin, I guess, to see how... Honestly, I don't really know what the benefit of squeezing the Charmin was. But uh, I'm kind of with Bobby on that one. I don't really want to. I don't really need to. I'd rather not squeeze anyone's Charmin. Uh, anyway. This next part, I mean, the visual part of it is Paula Prentice's newspaper acting, where she's she's looking for the article she found with Joanna's write-up, with her, with her, you know, kind of new-in-town article, uh, her, her debut in the local Gazette. So the watching this is really seeing the way she works with this this overwrought rolled up newspaper. But what I love about this moment here is how the dialogue overlaps to the point where it seems like they are just improvising. Anyway, I saw your name here. Oh, oh, you think oh no. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. Fantastic. I'm mean, here. You are. Wait a minute. I think you got a headline. Wait a minute. Wait. No. You've got a headline on this page. Here she is. Everhart moves to Stepford. I wish they'd use my Abby. wife. Shutterbug, I knew you were fantastic. You are. Have I seen any of your pictures in magazines? I know I must have. I doubt it. Right? I think so. You're terrific. I know you are. Well, Eber, I don't know, but I think I do know you. There's definitely a moment where Joanna is starting to say, I wish they used maybe my maiden name, as I think what she was saying, is maybe that's how she wants to be known as a photographer. And then Bobby interrupts her and just keeps going. And while she's doing that, she's rolling up the newspaper again into, you know, a tight tube. And then when she says, you're terrific, she hits Joanna on the leg with it. It's... You know, it's one of those moments where I always, I always think of it as like, you know, you, no one told her to do that. You can't direct somebody to do that. It's really, oh, it's such a cute little moment. Anyway. No, but I'm glad to have a friend. Me too. How do you do? Listen, you want to go and have something to drink? Eat. Eat? Yeah. Okay. I think if they are improvising or if we thought of this as a scene of improv, I think the choice that Catherine Ross makes to kind of not try to match Bobby, but to just say, well, I'm glad to meet a friend. I'm glad to have a friend and just kind of go that route. I love that. It also kind of brings Bobby down to her level. It's like, hey, I'm over. I, I'm happy to meet you, too, but <laughs> just take it down a notch. And then with this great little thing, again, that I think is totally improvised is then Paula Prentice slash Bobby putting her hand out to shake Joanna's hand and say, how do you do? It's almost like <laughs> it's like having sex with someone and then asking them afterwards what their name is. You know, it's like, OK, <laughs> we're beyond the how do you do of this all. It's uh, this whole little part. And I love this next section where then Joanna offers, you want to go have something to drink? And the way that that Bobby says eat like it's it. It's like she's saying with just the presentation of that, just the, the pronunciation of that, that that's what I like to do. I like to eat. I don't know why I can like get all of that just from the way she says eat. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Wouldn't that be just like the understatement of the century? I've got all this junk here. Oh, got any smokes? 
As they're leaving, I feel like there's so many little things that happen. You know, Bobby asking if she has any smokes, Joanna dropping the camera on her foot, then Bobby asking about the camera. Like it, it's, it, I think what it really represents to me and, and why I think it's in the movie and why it's like this and not more tightly scripted is that excitement of meeting a new friend, is that excitement of finding that kindred spirit or that that similar wavelength, even though Bobby is certainly at a higher frequency in some ways, uh, at the end of the day, they, you know, human sees human and, uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm and, and even adrenaline that I think comes with that, that we really see in the scene. And it's also really fun to see this between two grown women. You know, I think as you get older, the, the prospect of making new friends and new friends like this, people who kind of become suddenly the best friend, it, it doesn't really happen as much, you know, or when it does, it's, it's so different because you both know yourselves so much more. And so, I don't know, I feel like that kind of informs the bonds you make with other people. I don't know. Uh, in any event, I, I love that Bobby and Joanna found each other and I love them as a team in this movie. Uh, this next scene, the, the scene transitions into Joanna's kitchen and this really, Oh, the acting choices that, Paula Prentice is making it's really I mean this is just best supporting actress uh, gold in this scene whatever made you choose Stepford oh, I did water ah yeah figures Dave brought us here because of land values he's best in bed when the market's up I think I'll break into Walter's scotch hey, hey, hey you know something I'm gonna like you yeah so Bobby takes a seat at the kitchen table, and I love that she then pulls out these uh, these tinted glasses. I, it really completes the look, because Bobby is in these denim overalls and a white shirt, and uh, and the glasses just complete it. And I think in the book, if I remember, if I remember cor- correctly, uh, I got a little Barbara Walters there for a second. If I remember correctly, Bobby is wearing a Mickey Mouse sweatshirt and jeans, and I think is maybe a little bit hippier. Uh, as in rounder, as in bigger hips, whereas Paul Prentice is much slimmer. Uh, and I think in the book she also has like curly hair, whereas Paul Prentice's is more like shoulder length. Uh, it's fine. It's interesting to think about when I think about you know the visual image from the book. I still like the idea of Paul Prentice playing her, but um, I like that iteration of Bobby as well. Now, just to pause, fun fact before we move on to some great acting choices. Uh, just a little interlude. Paul Apprentice was not the original choice for Bobby. And in fact, when they started filming, their original Bobby was played by Joanna Cassidy, who is, of course, Rose from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, among many other great credits. But let's just, you know, let's just dance with the one that brought us, you know. And I, I do have to say, I mean, I love Joanna Cassidy. I think, you know, it's funny. I more so see Joanna Cassidy in Tina Louise's role of Charmaine. It's a smaller role, but that's so much more of her energy. But I don't know. I, th- that's, you know, this is, this is the 2017 Oscars all over again. This is making me choose between Allison Janney and Laurie Metcalf. I mean, Joanna Cassidy, Paula Prentice, this is... This is not fair. This is a hard year. I, I don't need tough decisions like this on my, on my plate. Jesus. Anyway, 
I guess it just wasn't working with Joanna Cassidy. And so she was fired after a week and they brought on Paul Apprentice. And uh, I have no idea what Joanna Cassidy would have done in in this scene, but I, I love what Paula Prentice does. So she puts on the tinted glasses and looks around. Oh, a messy kitchen. It's beautiful. A home away from home. Oh my, of course it doesn't compare to mine. You haven't got any of those magnificent peanut butter handprints all over your cabinets yet. But then you're new here and Stepford wasn't ruined in a day. Hello, hi C. Okay, so when she does a messy kitchen, she puts this hand out like, I, I, it, she just, her, her hand is just out to her side, like gesturing, like, oh, I love this. I don't know. I get this gesture, but I wish I could describe it better. Really, uh, one of the key elements of doing a podcast is being able to describe visual things in an audio style, and I'm not doing that. But it's, it's a reason to watch this is the hand gesture that she does. And then that way that she, that, that inflection she does of like, I love it, you know, home away from home. Like it's that, that Eeyore voice that I know what she's doing. She's just, um, she's just playing with the lines and just making all these little choices that I really, uh, I really love. And so then she gets up and, and starts to assess Joanna's kitchen. And that's when she says the thing about the peanut butter hand prints and my favorite part and where I, again, I don't think this was in the, I know this wasn't in the book because I checked and I love the idea that this was improv was Paul apprentice slash Bobby opening one of the cabinets and seeing the high C inside and saying, hello, high C. And I, I just, I love it. I, I think there's something really funny about getting to know somebody by getting to know their kitchen or kind of appreciating someone's kitchen. I, I it reminds me of like my mom talking about her best friend, who used to live like six blocks away. We went to school with her kids. Like they had like, you know, a, a similar friendship minus the whole, you know, wives turning into robots thing. And the thing my mom said was like when her friend June would come over, it was like, this was one of the few people she'd allow to come over and she didn't care what the house looked like, you know, that she wasn't going to tidy up. They kind of had an unwritten rule or unspoken rule of like, I'm not going to judge you if you're not going to judge me. Uh, so no pressure. And I kind of think Bobby and Joanna are developing a similar relationship. And obviously that's probably why I love this so much is it looks familiar. So then Bobby heads back to the table and we get the this next moment. Hey, you want a ring ding? I smuggled it over the border. What year is it? 59, a collector's item. Be great with scotch. Yeah. Two things I always carry, tampacks and ring dings. And I don't even want to think what that means. I think there's something kind of great about the fact that Bobby is a woman who carries ring dings in her purse and ring dings and tampacks and says that. I think that, I don't know, there's something that feels important about her being that open with Joanna, that she is so not a Stepford wife that she's talking about carrying tampacks and old snack cakes in her purse. Like, I think that's, these are reassuring details that this is a safe space. I'll tell you. Thanks. I can't figure out this bird. It's like maids have been declared illegal and the housewife with the neatest place gets Robert Redford for Christmas. And believe me, if that's the prize, I'd enter, but nobody will tell what the contest rules are. Cheers. Cheers. So that ne next bit, obviously, is a great setup, you know, a great sort of act one gun of, of what's going on in Stepford and what Bobby, who's been there a few months longer, is is already seeing. And it's a great, like, this little part is, you know, any trailer for this movie, if it doesn't include one part of Bobby talking about Stepford this way, then then what are they even doing? The 
the next part, so she ta- she says all that, and she goes to take a drink of uh, of the scotch, and she has this way of doing it where her, her elbow is sticking out. Like, it's very, uh, I don't know, it's a very pronounced way. And this next little, the way that she says, um, not to mention that creepy men's association, I am obsessed with it. I just, that's a trailer line. Every trailer for Stepford Wives will include Bobby Marco saying, not to mention that creepy men's association. Here you go. Not to mention that creepy men's association. Yours too? Every night. <laughs> Dave wouldn't miss. What do you think they do up there? Watch dirty movies and reminisce about the good old days. What good old days? Like those good old days when Playboy used the airbrush. Creepy men's association. Uh, I, I, what I like about this, though, and what is so act one about this, is that then they just laugh about it. You know, there's no real concern. It's something they can just joke about. It's something Bobby can laugh at. Uh, they can make the Playboy joke. And I, I, there is something, you know, I feel like a, a very timely question that Joanna asks very knowingly with a smirk of what good old days, because, I mean, we're kind of doing that now, right? It's like, well, what were the who, good old days for who? You know, I, I not to go down that path, but, you know, that's, I think, a question when it's suggested that uh, the country needs to be made great again. It's like, when was it for everyone, like, cross the board? So anyway, I think it's interesting to hear a, a similar joke being made in 1975. Ringdings and scotch, great combination. We may have started something. Oh, I'll drink to that. Cheers. Totally disgusting. <laughs> don't you like it? I don't know which one I like the best. You're very honest. That's what I like about you. It's awful. And I just love how the scene ends. It's actually very reminiscent of how um, chapters or paragraphs often ended in in the book, where it would just end on a great little line. And so this little chit-chat of like, oh, it's awful. I don't know which one I like less. And, and Bobby saying, you know, you're honest. That's what I like about you. And it's awful. That... That little capper, that laughing on It's Awful, I feel like I could check the book and it's the exact same line, but he, there's something stylistic about that that's very similar to the book that I love. Because the scene then just transitions into uh, Joanna later that night developing photos. So it's, uh, it's a great little opening. I love how the scene begins. I love how it fades in on, on Bobby, you know, marching into Joanna's life. And I love how it fades out on her being this commentator on Joanna, like as if she knows her at this point, you know, I, I, I think this little section shows such a fast connection that becomes so essential, obviously in this movie. One of the things that always bums me out about the Stepford wives is that Bobby eventually is turned into a Stepford wife. I mean, these kind of movies, the character of Bobby, I think it's why I love the character of Nancy in invasion of the body snatchers so much, because I would normally expect her to be, turned into a pod person well before the end of the movie, similar to Bobby, who, of course, through so much of the movie, is Joanna's sidekick as they're trying to uncover this mystery of Stepford. And she really gets that point of like, that's it. I'm I'm getting the hell out of Stepford. She even says it in this great moment that also should appear in every trailer for the Stepford Wives. I don't care what anybody says. I'm not going to end up like one of those pan scrubbers. I'm getting the hell out of Stepford. But then, of course, she casually mentions that she and Dave are going to New York for the weekend, and it's their anniversary. And us, you know, we, we've already seen what happened to Charmaine when they went on a trip. And a part of me is like, oh, God, don't you, like, postpone the trip? Don't go. And I, and I do want to just highlight a little of this moment of Joanna 
discovering that Bobby has been turned into a Stepford wife and going to her house and seeing Bobby dressed totally differently, uh, cleaning her kitchen, just on a totally different wavelength. And I think it's an interesting comparison to this first scene and to kind of see how the original Bobby has been transformed and transposed over to this more perfect version of her. in New York and he loves my stuff. Well, not loves maybe, but he's genuinely interested in my work. The gallery for photographers. That's wonderful, Joanna. If you're going to tell me you don't like this dress, I'm sticking my head right in the oven. Dave bought it for me for the weekend. He spent a ton on me. How about the shape? Padded uplift bra. It's true what they say in the ads. Oh, Joanna, Dave turned me loose in Bergdorf's, and I went mad. At the plaza, some guy tried picking me up in the lobby. You know how long it's been since that happened? Of course, I did look terrific. Bobby, you're not at the plaza now. I mean, so why are you wearing all that makeup? I mean, you never even used to clean your kitchen, much less wear makeup. Admit it, Joanna. I was a joke. Dave works hard all day long, and what does he come home to? A slob. Bobby, it's gotten to you now. Nothing's got me. I just want to look like a woman and keep my house looking decent, too. You're just like Charmaine. Will you stop? And you're not going to leave Stepford either, are you? Leave Stepford? Good schools, low taxes, clean air. So it's at this point that jo- Joanna goes to see Dr. Fancher, uh, played by Carol Rawson, who has just this one scene in the movie, and it's similar in the book as well, as Joanna eventually goes to see a psychiatrist to talk this out. And it it functions the same way the scene in Rosemary's Baby when Rosemary finally goes to Dr. Hill's office. Dr. Hill, of course, being played by Charles Grodin's mustache. And Rosemary kind of has that great monologue explaining everything up until that point and how she's understood it and what she thinks is happening. And it doesn't ever, in both movies, it doesn't feel repetitive. In both movies, it feels like a great set piece for for some great lady acting. And Catherine Ross, I mean, she really is great in this movie, but this scene is fascinating to watch. And the therapist is great as well. Carol Rawson is uh, really, like, there's, there's so much that she's saying just by how she watches Joanna and how she pivots with Joanna and and I think there's also a relief in her character similar to Bobby where it's like oh finally there's a a sane woman here that I can talk to a sane person that I can talk to and someone who's who's validating what I'm saying and not just saying it's all in my head well that all seems very straightforward and your husband wants you to see me because he feels I'm being irrational he says there's no certainty I'd like Eastbridge or someplace like that any better. And he doesn't want to spend his life moving from one house to another. Yes, understandable. But Stepford, I know, has a reputation for being unsocial. So I also understand why you might be unhappy there. I'd be unhappy there. Any move is traumatic, and a city-to-suburbs move for a woman with interests other than purely family can seem like a jaunt to Siberia. I also like that the therapist admits that she wouldn't be happy in Stepford, and the way that she says, I wouldn't be happy there, and she she sort of puts her hand against her chest. It's just this great little acting choice I just needed to name. 
But uh, there's also a great shot of Joanna listening to her talk and her saying this, and there's this like small smile on her face that I I know that feeling, and I know that feeling in therapy when someone is saying something, you're like, oh, thank you, yes, I couldn't figure out how to untangle this knot, but you've got it, you keep going, keep going, and and just saying what you need to hear, not not just what you want to hear, but what you need to hear, you know. Uh, and then I, I kind of love this next section. I think all of this, what I really enjoy in this early part of the, of the scene is this outsider's point of view of Stepford and also what feels like an interesting explanation for why Stepford might be the way that it is. What would you think of if I said Westport, Connecticut? Writers, artists. Now you have no reason to know this, but Truro, Massachusetts is a sort of elephant's graveyard for psychoanalysts. Perhaps Stepford is heaven for the house and garden type. One person tells another. <laughs> Some don't like it and leave. Others that do like it arrive. I mean, Westport didn't always have writers. They didn't breed from an original pair. I understand. Well, I'm not surprised. You're obviously a very bright woman. It's sort of a, a genius moment there where she finally tells Joanna, I think, what Joanna's needed to hear this whole time is like you you're smart you're you see things correctly and i think it's interesting to see joanna's reaction and the little face journey that Catherine ross goes on of processing that and what i feel like we're really seeing is joanna unlocking and joanna letting down her guard which she's really had to keep up and even more so since bobby's change so then we have this this stare off here we really get this uh i feel like these are some great acting choices uh, from from Carol Rawson of of getting Joanna to the next point of like, tell me, what are you really here for? What does surprise me is that you have come all this way to talk to me. And then you don't talk to me. They have a bit of a stare off here and then Joanna stands up and she walks towards the window and we're going to let her have this little monologue here. It's really, oh, and we'll go back and talk about some of the choices, but this is, this is a great, this is a great part. I think the men are behind it. What men? All of them. All of them in the association. My husband, everyone. The women don't, can't abide in Stepford loving housework. They change once they get there. I think the men make them change. How would they do that? I don't know. They, they, <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's so awful. If I'm wrong I'm insane and if I'm right it's worse than if I'm wrong okay we'll stop there because that is my favorite part of the monologue or one of my favorite parts is and that that feeling of if I'm if I'm wrong that I'm crazy and if I'm right it's worse and so what has happened in the scene is that she's turned and she's walked back and sat down on the couch across from the doctor lots of hand wringing 
We also get a full view, and we see it earlier in the scene, but it, it made me think of it in this section. The way that Joanna is dressed, I love, I think there is something purposeful in that she's got slacks on and like a leather jacket and her hair is up. There's something obviously very masculine about what she's wearing, talking about what's happening in this town and talking about the men being behind it. It makes me think about in Rosemary's Baby when Rosemary says, all of them witches. And in this one, it's all of them in the organization. I don't know what they do exactly. They, they, they draw our pictures and they tape our voices. And the women all look neat and pretty. There's a man, he, he's a druggist. He, he runs the pharmacy. And he's nothing. He's nothing. But his wife is just breathtaking. And once, by mistake, I happened to hear them making love. And she was carrying on incredibly, like he was some kind of God's gift. And I love the way she says this, he's nothing. And Charmaine changed in four months and ripped up her tennis court. And Bobby, my best friend, changed in four months. And that's what convinced me. That's how long I've been in Stepford, four months. And I don't know what's going on. I just know something is wrong and my time is coming. And I love that sentiment as well, is that I, I know that something is wrong and I know my time is coming and I don't know what it is. Uh, that was so similar to Invasion of the Body Snatchers of like, I know there's something wrong. I know, uh, I, I can't, and, I, and, and to try to describe it, I just sound crazy. And to try to describe it, I just sound paranoid. But these are all the facts I have or all the proof I think I have. And I, I think that that end of that monologue of, and I know my time is coming and the way she sits there, just, that feeling of like, I, I have nothing else. I, I don't know what else to say. This is, I, I have no point of action from here. Uh, it's, it's such a precarious point, but there's also, again, that relief of like, oh, she's told somebody. Maybe she can hand off some of this stress to someone. I think that's the other part of this is that up until this point, Joanna and Bobby have been able to um, kind of share their concerns or share their suspicions. But I think after Bobby changes, then I think it really gets heavy for Joanna and there's no one for her to talk to until this point. And it's, uh, it's such a, I think a, a, an important human moment in a movie full of women being turned into robots. I think it's really interesting to see Joanna get this human. So then of course the scene, the camera cuts to the doctor with like, I get, you know, staring at her intently. I mean, I think we're all Joanna in this point of like, okay, you know, how about that? What do you, what do you say to that? What's your response to that? Terribly frightened, aren't you? Can you sleep? Well, that's easy. We can take care of that. And we'll see a lot of each other, and you can talk some more. See, it's unfortunate, but I have to go away for a couple of days. It's something I can't put off at this short notice. But when I'm back, we'll talk. No! No, you don't want to talk, or what? I won't be here when you get back, don't you see? It's going to happen before then. Don't ask me to explain it. I just know there'll be somebody with my name. And she'll cook and clean like crazy. But she won't take pictures and she won't be me. She'll... She'll, she'll be like one of those robots in Disneyland. And that whole little last section of Joanna just saying like, no, you know... Uh, I won't be here when you get back. All of that is this tight shot just on Catherine Ross's face. It's so interesting to watch Joanna 
have to process and have the scene just be about Joanna having to kind of say the unspeakable in that moment. It's great, great acting from Catherine Ross. It's such a great moment. And I love this next choice from the doctor. I, I think there's something, it's almost like, okay, this is less doctor patient and this is just like two human beings right now. She stares at Joanna and like licks her lips for a second like she's considering something and then she uh, moves forward and comes to her knees in front of Joanna and takes Joanna's hands. All right, now listen. I'll give you a prescription which you have filled. Then you gather up your children and you get the hell away. Don't tell your husband, don't tell anyone, just go wherever you feel safe. Now, do you have family? They're dead. Well, just drive and stop someplace. Then in a few days, I'll be back on the 10th. You ring me, I'll come to you, and we'll sort this thing out. Now, how does that sound? I think it's interesting how in this last scene, this last part of the scene, it it then becomes as if they're talking about Joanna being in an abusive relationship, which of course she she is, right? Like that, I think that's the the it's as if Joanna has revealed that she's being physically abused by Walter the way that the doctor responds and I think it's really important to draw that parallel too right like that this is in its own way a profoundly abusive relationship in that ultimately it's going to end in her being killed I mean it's a it's such a fucked up relationship you know obviously after this scene I don't know if obviously but after this scene is really then really the climax of the movie is Joanna trying to get the kids and trying to get the hell out of Stepford and Unfortunately, that all does not work out. It does include a visit to Bobby again to try to find the kids, which of course leads to an infamous, I keep saying of course, as if there's no other option, but in, I guess in my mind there isn't, but there's this infamous scene where she stabs Robot Bobby with a knife and then Robot Bobby starts to malfunction. And, uh, oh, we'll play a little of it here, why not? How could you do a thing like that? do a thing like that when I was just going to give you coffee when I was just going to give you coffee when I was just going to give you coffee I thought we were friends I thought we were friends I was just going to give you coffee I was just going to give you coffee I thought we were friends I thought we were friends but anyway, that is, I think, all I have to say today about the Stepford Wives. I mean, I could say more, but that's all I'm going to say. And so maybe you have something to say. And in that case, you should drop me an email at inthedetailspod at gmail.com. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Colin Drucker or Instagram even at Colin Drucker underscore. You can, of course, find even more of me on All Right Mary and on Best Supporting Podcasts out on best supporting actresses um on both podcasts really um but then more so drag queens on all right mary but you already knew that i feel like if you listen to this you already know that but just in case you didn't anyway uh that's all i've got for you this week we'll have more spooky nuances next week and spooky nuances all this month because it is october and that is what we do here in the details and if you didn't know now you know and uh i'll talk to you then all right bye If you'll excuse me. Ah!
what I said. I'm staying. I'm staying. 